It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap. It is episode number 210, and boy, do we have plenty for you in this podcast today. The Brewers, of course, sitting at 76 and 49 now on the year for the crew. Uh, They sit seven and a half games clear of the Cincinnati Reds in the NL Central. The Brewers have the largest lead of any division in the National League. It is the second largest lead of any division in Major League Baseball, second only to the White Sox nine-game lead over Cleveland. The White Sox just 72-54, and 54, so not the record the Brewers have, but Cleveland is an even 500 at 61-61. and 61. Meanwhile, Cincinnati, of course, at 69-57. and 57. Brewers uh, looking to separate themselves a little bit more from the Reds this week as a three-game series opens tonight at American Family Field. Cincinnati does have themselves into the wildcard conversation. In fact, not just in the conversation, they currently sit in the driver's seat in the National League wildcard spot number two. Spot number one is occupied right now by the L.A. Dodgers. Right behind them is the Reds. And uh, the Reds currently have a one-game lead on San Diego for that second wild-card spot. So, a lot of good things happening for the Brewers. We're going to talk to a couple of different key pieces to this equation. We're going to talk to Brewers third base coach Jason Lane on the podcast today. We're also going to talk to relieving phenom Jake Cousins. What a great story he's been. We've talked to him earlier in the season. We're going to check back in with Jake Cousins as well, and we're certainly looking forward to that. And another big piece to this rotation that has been a very valuable member of this team this year is left-handed pitcher Eric Lauer. He's also going to join us on Brewers on Tap this week, so we are looking forward to that also. So let's jump into some of the numbers with this team in Sabermetrics 101. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. All right, as we jump into some of the numbers with the Brewers and we break things down on Sabermetrics 101, a little bit more traditional in terms of the analytics we're going to dive into, some straight numbers. It's easy when you're winning. It's easy when everybody's playing well, and that's really what's happening right now with the crew. And we're going to begin with the headlining act, and that's Christian Yelich. Brewers have been waiting for him to break through, been waiting for that power, been waiting for him to hit the ball hard consistently. He's had some good stretches this year where he's been able to get on base a lot. He had some good stretches early before the back injuries where he was hitting the ball well, just didn't see the power coming yet. It looks like 
and it's a small sample size, but it looks like all of that's starting to get unlocked a little bit. Yelly, of course, uh, is on a little bit of a roll right now. The last road trip, very kind to him. The homestand so far has also been kind to him. He never really went anywhere, but he was looking for more production. Yelich's last 11 games, he's delivered. He has a 356 average. That's 16 for 45. Three doubles, two home runs, and 10 RBIs. He has started 10 of those 11 games and has a hit in each of the starts. In five of those 10 starts, Yelich has collected a multi-hit game, including his three-hit game, one of just two that he has this year, on Saturday night against the Nationals. His grand slam on Saturday night, his second home run of that game was vintage Yelich. High towering shot to right center, it measured 454 feet. If his power returns on a consistent basis, the Brewers lineup is going to soar to even greater heights, and it's going to be scary good here down the stretch for the Brewers. How about some other pieces to this puzzle that are performing at a really good level for the Brewers? Manny Pena, 289 since July 20th, 15 games in that stretch, a 960 OPS. He's 13 for 45 over this stretch with four home runs and two doubles. He also has six 16 RBIs. That's a lot of great production at the plate from your backup catcher. And Colton Wong has gone to a different level in the last week. He has put together the kind of season overall the Brewers were hoping for when they signed him during the offseason. But while he's been consistent this year when healthy, something about that return to St. Louis last week seems to have unlocked another gear for Colton Wong. You could clearly see how motivated he was during that series in St. Louis, and that stellar play carried over into the National Series this weekend. In his last six games, Wong is 9 for 21, two doubles, a triple and a home run. He's driven in seven runs. He's stolen one base, and that was, of course, a very memorable one. It was off of his longtime pal, Yadi Molina. Wong scamper home on Saturday night after tagging up from third base on a foul pop-up will go down as one of the most incredible plays and more memorable plays of the season. And of course, his defense continues to be at an elite level. He's playing championship baseball right now. All right, that's a good look at some of the different numbers from an analytic standpoint of what the Brewers are getting done at the plate this season. Let's jump into some conversations. And we're going to begin with Brewers reliever Jake Cousins, who has just had a miraculous season so far. And I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about about everything he's been able to accomplish when we were in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, the starting pitching has been incredible for us all year long. So, I mean, when they need us to step up and handle a game, then we can take it. So, yeah, I mean, everyone top to bottom did incredible last night and just gave a chance that we knew the bats were going to come alive and um, just holding them off and waiting for those bats to come back was good, was huge. You know, have you had a chance to really sink in what has happened for you this year you started in double a then you get the quick promotion to triple a and now you're excelling at the major league level and you're getting a lot of high leverage opportunities it's really been a, a meteoric rise <laughs> yeah i mean my my wife and i are pinching ourselves every night like we'll be like man can you believe that we started off in bluxy this like this year um i mean it's been it's happened fast and like i mean it's been awesome so we're along for the ride and uh yeah we're just keep pinching ourselves and enjoying every second we get you and I talked earlier this year. We talked about pitching in independent ball with Schomburg a couple of years ago and last year even with the Chicago Dogs. What did that opportunity present for you in terms of were you able to experiment? Were you able to kind of just go out there and, and work on certain things? And how much do you feel like that helped shape the pitcher you are today? 
I would say my first stint with the Schaumburg Boomers, like I just gotten released, I was dealing with some injuries. That was just big just to get it back in there and like just get innings. Um, and that was the first time like velocity showed up. So, I mean, that was just a great surprise for me and um, led me to getting picked up by the Brewers. And then this past year was huge just during COVID. Like so many minor league players weren't able to play. And since I wasn't, I didn't go to the alt alternate site, just getting a throw against some like high level competition with like in the American Association, there's a lot of guys or double A, triple A, like some guys have some big league experience. So getting a throw against that kind of competition for the first time, um, just being able to test myself and see like if I actually had it was awesome for me. So, I mean, both of those experiences were very valuable to me. I think anybody that has watched you pitch knows how valuable your slider is. And it's, I think, quickly turning into one of the, the better sliders, not just on this staff, but maybe right now in the National League. When did that take that next step for you? When did that become such an elite pitch? So, I mean, I haven't changed anything about it. I think it's just growing, having your confidence grow in it. Um, and being able to throw like first strike and then being ex expand later in the counts. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've always had that pitch and I think the Brewers just said like, hey, that's a really good pitch for you, so throw it more often. And that's just been, I mean, they've done a great job with the analytics department and telling you, hey, this is what you're really good at, so do that. It makes you different, so be different. Like that's what gets big league hitters out is just being different than average. Some guys will shape a slider differently depending on you know how they want the pitch to look coming into the hitter. Do, do you do you throw it the same way every time? Is it pretty consistent with how you want to throw the slider? I would say the majority of the time is about the same. Um, I think the the more ahead I get in the count, I'll try and shape it a little bit different. Um, whether it be like trying to get a little bit more depth on it, if there's like a lefty, or if I want to kind of attack down the middle of the zone, but just more depth, as opposed to expanding like with more of like a sweeping slider. Um, but the majority of the time, it's just I'm just throwing it the same way I have, and sometimes I'll get just a different variance, and I guess it works. If I don't know which way it's going to break, I guess the hitters don't either. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Well, you, you've been back now for a, a little over a week after being on the injured list with COVID, and what a fortuitous situation out of a bad situation in that you and Hunter were able to go to his place, have a place to throw, and kind of stay on top of things, even though you weren't with the team. That had to be a little bit lucky, right? I, I hate to use that term when you when you get COVID, but if you were going to make the best out of the situation, you guys had a situation where you were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think you put it, that was a very good way to put it in words. Um, no, I mean, it was like make the best of a bad situation. Um, yeah, and Hunter and his wife was awesome to invite me in. I stayed in the camper and, I mean, loved it. He had a full weight room bullpen. Like, I mean, we could do everything outside of like throwing live reps to hitters. So um, it was huge just for both of us to be able to jump right back in and not have to like skip too much of a beat. Um, yeah, so it was, all, I mean, awesome is a bad way to put it, but with the situation that we were dealt, it was a great, a great uh, circumstance. And you guys got to know each other even better. Yeah, no, yeah, he's awesome. Him and his wife are, are awesome. And um, no, it was a really good time. So, I mean, I'm glad that we were able to like focus on some baseball stuff and make sure that we stayed sharp so when we got back here we could help us help us win some games. How cool was it that last night you went in extra innings and 24 of the 26 guys got into the game? I mean, that's kind of the theme of this team, right? It, it is a total team. Oh, yeah. I mean, top to bottom, like every single guy, like we have faith and we trust that every single guy is going to go out there and do their job. Um, and we have conf I think everyone has confidence in each other and um, we just trust each other. And yeah, I mean, the clubhouse is awesome, so we're having a really good time. Jake, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Lane.
All right, my thanks to Jake Cousins for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. He has given up a run since that conversation, but he's still been elite out of the pen for the Brewers this year. In 19 appearances, he's thrown 19 and two-thirds innings, seven hits, just the one earned run, 10 walks, 27 strikeouts. He has a whip of .864, and he has a fielding independent pitching of .256, which is still pretty darn good. He has been great. That slider's been impressive, and he has become a high-leverage guy at the age of 27 now for the Brewers. He turned 27 back in July. Jake Cousins has become a really big piece for this team. Let's continue with our conversations. Brewers third base coach Jason Lane. He was the first base coach last year. He was the assistant hitting coach prior to that. So he has a very unique perspective when he talks about this roster. And I had a chance to sit down with him and talk to him about what this season has been like coaching over at third base. Let's break it down. Yeah, guys are uh, guys are turning the corner offensively. We're starting to have a lot of quality at bats and getting base runners and getting big hits when we need it and it, it makes it fun to be out there what is it like when when Adamas goes deep and, and you're waiting for him to round the bases are you ever expecting anything uh you know he likes he likes to give a salute when he comes around third but he just has this knack for getting huge hits when we need it and and big home runs and of, of course the energy he brings to the dugout and on the field is awesome so I'm usually expecting when he hits one coming around third that there's going to be a ton of energy. It's great to see. You know, you have experience with these guys, as a lot of these guys, as the assistant hitting coach a couple of years ago, too. So you, you really understand a lot of these core players inside and out. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting perspective, too, to be out uh, last year coaching first and this year coaching third. You can see the, uh, what's going on in the at-bat a lot better than you can from the dugout sometimes. So uh, I definitely am, am in the at-bats with them and, and seeing what's going on and, and uh, get to talk to them a little bit when we have some downtime at third, and, and uh, it, it's been fun. This lineup right now has so much length to it. And from your standpoint, too, there's a lot of speed right now on the, in this lineup that uh, you guys can utilize. Definitely. And, and all the guys from top to bottom, they all run hard. They're all looking to take an extra base. Uh, it definitely helps you out as a base coach. You know, uh, they always say great base runners make, make a good base coach, and it's true. When guys are looking to take the extra base and going hard, it makes your decision uh, a little bit easier. Take me through when you're out there and a ball gets hit to the outfield and you're trying to make, it's going to be close. You're trying to make the call if I'm going to send a guy or not. What is your process like? Because it, it has to happen bang, bang, obviously. Yeah, a ton of it has to be done before the play happens. Uh, a lot of it done before the game even, when you, you know uh, what the outfielder's tendencies are, what the relay guy's uh, strengths are and weaknesses and which guys you can push and not. So you, you have to do your homework before. Uh, then certainly right before the at-bat or during the at-bat, depending on the game situation, a lot of that goes into it. And then once the play happens, uh, for me, you, you just really have to trust your uh, gut and your internal timing. And um, you're not always right, but if you do enough of the, the homework ahead of time, it, it makes the deci- decision easier uh, in the moment under pressure. And you've gotten a lot more of them right than the other way around over the course of this year. It, Basically, what you're telling me is, I mean, mentally, you have to be locked in on every event. You got to kind of run the scenario before every pitch. Yeah, and you got and you got to be looking ahead too. And um, a lot of it helps. You almost have to be running the bases yourself uh, in your own mind, and 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 that helps. But uh, 
It's a lot of fun. You definitely have to be engaged pitch to pitch and, and take in a, a ton of different situations or outcomes or what could happen. But uh, the hard part about it is you don't really get to practice it. It's really hard to run right. through practice. You, you really are learning in games. And, you know, I really respect third base coaches. It's been around a long time because they've seen a lot of the different plays that you just don't always anticipate. And with, with more experience, you, you run through those plays a handful of times and, and you can learn from them. So it's definitely tough when you, when you don't have a ton of games under your belt because certain things pop up that you might see every couple of years or something, uh, unique plays, and, and um, you know, you only learn from going through it. One of the things I'm sure you're thinking about, too, is you know, how many outs and is the pitcher up next or who's up next? That, that all probably factors into how aggressive you want to get to at times, right? Yeah, definitely. That uh, And where they're at, where they're at pitch count wise, um, you know, if, 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 if they're at the end uh, and there's a possible pinch hit coming, uh, the guy on the mound, you know, where he's at and... and um, there's just, there's a, there's a ton of different different things that you can think through, but really, uh, it still comes down to you don't you don't want to make outs on the bases, and uh, sometimes you'll you'll push it a little more than others, um, but really you don't like to give up outs on the bases, especially with as good a hitters as we have coming up. Jason Lane is our guest. Jason, you seven years in the big leagues as a position player. You pitched a little bit in 2014 as well for the Padres. So when you see what Otani is doing this year, how much does this blow your mind? Uh, it's pretty impressive the level at which he's doing it. I mean, to be that type of caliber pitcher with that kind of stuff, obviously that type of power and 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 as a hitter, uh, it's it's really impressive not to see him do it at that level. Jason, we always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, our thanks to Jason Lane for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. Let's jump into some more numbers before we talk to Eric Lauer, who's pitched well for the Brewers as well this year and been a big key piece to this rotation. Let's talk about Aaron Ashby. Remember when Ashby gave up seven runs, four earned in two-thirds of an inning against the Cubs on June 30th? Well, he's made three appearances since then. It's been a totally different experience for him on the big stage. He's thrown eight scoreless over those three outings. He's struck out nine in that stretch. Ashby has looked filthy, and it looks like he can be a real weapon for the Brewers down the stretch and hopefully into the postseason. Brewers have used him three times in a starting role. They used him in his last outing out of the bullpen on Sunday against the Nationals, and uh, he looked pretty good in that role as well. Had a little bit of trouble in that first inning, but got out of it, put up a zero, and then worked a 1-2-3 second inning on the mound for Aaron Ashby. This is pretty exciting stuff for the Brewers because he could be a real left-handed weapon for the Brewers out of the pen and give them that much more depth in the bullpen this year. How about Avi Garcia this season? You know, we don't talk enough about Avi Garcia because we're talking about Colton Wong over the last week and Yelich and what he's been able to do. No Omar Narvaez being an all-star this season. The addition of Eduardo Escobar. We talk about all these other things. We don't talk a lot about Avi Sayo Garcia and he's been the most productive and most consistent hitter in this lineup this season. He is already at a career high with 24 home runs. He's got a real shot to get to 30 plus this year. He's trending toward a new high in RBIs. He has 73 RBIs and his career high is 80 runs driven in for Avi Garcia. So 
Uh, a lot to be excited about in that regard with the numbers that he's putting up. But how about some behind-the-numbers type of look at this season for Avi Garcia? An OPS of 849. That's the second highest of his career, and he's hitting 329 against left-handed pitching this season. He also has a 330 average in the second half of the season with an OPS north of 1,000, including eight home runs in the second half, six of which have come in the month of August. He's been really good this year for the Brewers, and I feel like sometimes he gets overlooked just a little bit. All right, let's jump into it. Our conversation with Brewers left-handed pitcher Eric Lauer. And Eric uh, able to get back out there against the Pirates over the weekend. Had to feel good just to get back on the mound. Oh, yeah, it was nice to get out there and just compete again just because being away from the game for a few days, even 10 days, 12 days, however long it was, uh, it really takes it out of you, so it's nice to just be back competing and with the guys. And you were fairly lucky because you didn't have any real severe symptoms, so you were able to basically stay active throughout the entire quarantine process, and you had a partner in Josh Hader that was essentially in the same place that you were, so you guys were able to continue to throw and, and keep your arms ready and loose. Yeah, it was really nice to have somebody to be able to throw with because... Throwing into a net's way different than throwing with someone else. They can actually give you feedback on how things are coming out and make sure that you're staying in line and everything that you need to do. Um, but it was really a nice thing that we were able to be there for each other and go through it together and catch each other's bullpens and all that. It was, I mean, it made it a lot easier. Have either of you talked to counsel about, you know, you're available if he needs an emergency catcher now, even <laughs> though you'd be a left-handed catcher? <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Josh would really. I think he's made it pretty clear he's not in that kind of role. So, I mean, but I'd, I'd give it a shot. I don't know. I don't see why not. Had to be a little fun, right? Oh, I used to love catching. That's yeah. why we we have left-handed catcher's mitts. We do it for fun, but I don't think a game situation would be as easy, that's for sure. But, um, no, I, 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 would, I would do it. I would try it. So you guys actually had left-handed mitts that you were yeah, able to use, he too. A, he has a left-handed catcher's mitt. Very good. What, what Were you guys able to give each other feedback while you were going through the process, too? Yeah. Yeah, we were, I mean, I got to, I've never seen him. It was cool being able to experience catching his bullpen just to be able to see his pitches come into a hitter and see what they look like from the plate. You know, you don't usually get to see that um, unless you're a catcher. So just to be able to see that, I can, I can understand what makes him so deceptive better and, like, just the way that his pitches move and how he uses them and how he locates and all that kind of stuff. It's, it just gives you another perspective on it. You've got a home run this year. Did you catch yourself thinking, yeah, I could I could turn him around? <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I feel like it's really easy to say that, but I don't know. Once I get in the box, I've seen... I've seen him make some really good hitters look pretty, pretty not good. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. What, what has been the difference for you this year besides being healthier than you were a season ago? It, it really feels like you've turned a corner and you're really executing your pitches. The cutter seems to have been a big pitch for you this year as well. What's been the difference in your opinion? Um, definitely being healthy has helped a lot. I think that's probably one of the main things. I'm taking so much better care of myself, making sure that my arm path is clean, um, between starts, merely making sure that I focus on recovery a lot more than I did before. Before it was, I would always focus a lot on strength and keeping strength, but um, the recovery is, I feel like, something that's really big for me. Um, other than that, though, I think just the confidence to throw all my pitches and pitch the way that I know how to pitch. I feel like before the last couple of years, I had been almost like trying to adhere to what so many people were telling me I should do, what I'm good at, what I 
excel at, what I do well, what I do bad, what I should stay away from. And instead of instead of trying to just kind of please everybody and do what they're saying, I, I started telling people no, and I started telling people that that's not me, that's not what I'm comfortable with, this is how I pitch. And I started kind of just taking more ownership of my own career and telling people this is how I do it, this is what makes me good, this is what I'm comfortable with. And just being able to go out there and have that freedom and knowing that, okay, I'm in control of this instead of me trying to appease other people. I think it's just helped a lot with my mentality and my understanding of myself and what makes me good. Do you feel like that's made you more aggressive? I think being aggressive is one of my is one of the things that I have to have. I have to have that like aggressiveness in the zone and that comfortability to throw all my pitches in the zone for strikes because that's how I keep guys off balance. That's how I keep hitters kind of guessing if they if they always have an idea of two or three different pitches that they could get at any any time any count I feel like that's what make that's one of the things that makes me good besides the mental side of it it sounds like the physical side of it for you the biggest change was what you were doing in between starts oh yeah definitely I mean besides all the obviously changing my mechanics changing my arm path all that um, the focus on recovery and making sure that I'm Recovering a lot better than I ever had um, has been huge because it just it, it allows you to go out there and actually feel like you're on top of your game. Not like you're not warming up pre-game. You're like, oh man, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a grinder of a game. I feel like I don't I don't feel that as often as I had in the past. Certainly look confident on the mound, and it, it definitely shows. Eric, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Checking in on the farm. as we go down on the farm we take a look at some of the brewers prospects and where they rank on the latest mlb pipeline top 100 and then the brewers top 30 list as well and in the top 100 a couple of brewers find themselves in that list and that's garrett mitchell brewers outfield prospect last year's first round pick who is currently in double a with biloxi and this year's first round pick Sal Freelich, who's played very well since getting the call up to Loway, Carolina this year. Both of them in the top 100. Those are the only two top 100 prospects for the Brewers, but they have some other names that are knocking on that door. Bryce Terang uh, certainly is close to being in that top 100. I would argue that I think he probably deserves to be in there right now. Hedbert Perez is another guy on the periphery of that list that I think should probably get on there before it's all said and done. Remember, Perez is only 18 years of age, and he's played very well this year in the Arizona Complex League. Ethan Small comes in at number five on that list. He has pitched well enough to be in consideration for a top 100 slot. He's currently hurt, but he has dominated in AA and AAA this year. Hefferson Cuero uh, comes in at number six. He has been very good, the catching prospect in the Brewers-Arizona Complex League. And then Tyler Black, another draft pick from this year, he comes in at uh, number seven on the Brewers' top 30 list. And Tyler Black is uh, uh, number 10 amongst second base prospects right now, according to MLB Pipeline. So that's another name to keep an eye on. And then Aaron Ashby comes in at number eight on the Brewers' list. And um, Ashby, to me, is a top 100 guy. I I think that he's way too low on the Brewers' list. He's way too low in the fact that he's not in the top 100 right now in Major League Baseball. You can't tell me that there's another left-hander or there's multiple left-handers in baseball right now in the minor leagues or 
of prospect status that have similar type of stuff or equal stuff to what Aaron Ashby has. Big name that's turning heads this year is Joe Gray Jr., the former second-round pick, has been really good this year between A and high A. He is in at number 9 on the Brewers' top 10, and then Antoine Kelly comes in at number 10. The, another left-hander, another left-hander with big-time stuff for the Brewers that's going to be an interesting name. So we told you Mitchell and Freelich come in on the top 100. They're 1 and 2, and then the list goes Terang, Perez, Small, Quero, Black, Ashby, Gray, and then Kelly. That's your top 10 of the Brewers' prospects. You go on down, there's some other interesting names that find themselves in there, names like Mario Feliciano. David Hamilton has turned some heads this year and had a very nice season. Joey Weimer's another name at 23. He's having a really good year. Tons of power from Joey Weimer. He's put it together so far low A and at high A. He'll be kind of a fun name to follow over the next couple of years in the Brewers' organization. So that's what it's looking like from a Brewers' prospect standpoint. This is a much stronger farm system than what it gets credit for from MLB Pipeline or Baseball America. I think we've seen that over the last couple of years, the Brewers' ability to turn out guys like Justin Topa and Drew Rasmussen and and, and other guys that maybe aren't on these lists but end up being very productive big leaguers. The Brewers know how to develop talent specifically on the mound, and so it's going to be interesting to watch some of these names develop over the next couple of years. That is going to do it for us in this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for joining us. Big series on the horizon starting tonight with the Cincinnati Reds. Cannot wait to see you out at the ballpark over the next couple of days before the Brewers go on another road trip through Minnesota and San Francisco. Until then, be healthy, be safe. We will talk to you next week from the road. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.